Welcome to Adulting. The following podcast was recorded live on Blab. Welcome to Adulting, the podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. All right, welcome to our Blab today. This is adulting.tv, and we are doing a Blab with Matthew Schultz. He is from creditcards.com. Yes? Yes, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many of those out there. I always forget which one you're with now. But uh, Matt is with creditcards.com, and he is going to join us to talk to us about what you should look for in your first credit card. But before we get to that, we might be putting the cart before the horse. So first of all, Matt, why don't you tell us who should be getting their credit card? How do you know that you're ready for your first credit card? Well, it's actually a pretty adult thing to get your first credit card. And really, it's it's important to ask yourself some questions because really the most important thing about The most important thing to do when you're getting your first credit card is to know some things about yourself. Are you the type of person who is going to be able to pay your balance off every month? Um, Are you going to be able to pay your bills on time? Is having that, that credit line going to be too much temptation for you? And then other things like do you want to get cash back? Do you want to get miles? That sort of thing. So there's a lot of questions that you need to ask yourself before you ever apply so you make sure that you're, uh, that you're getting a card that fits you. When you first, um, if you're getting your first credit card, do you have, how, how can you qualify for some of these better things without having any kind of credit history? Or do you kind of have to start with something else before you even get to credit cards? Yeah, you really kind of have to temper your expectations a little bit Um, because a way that a lot of people start is either with a retail store credit card, you know, Target, Best Buy, whatever, or a gas station credit card. And both of those are cards that you can get um, that, that people with a wide range of credit can get. Um, but the thing that happens is that you have a really high interest rate that goes along with it. So while it's getting you in the door with credit and helping you build a good payment history, it's incredibly important because that interest rate can be 24, 25%. It's incredibly important that you pay that balance off as soon as you can. Yeah, that's a really good point. A lot of the time we think of credit and credit cards as kind of uh, our money. It, we think of it as, oh, this is money that I have to spend. But really, it, it's like a mini loan. It's, it's like a short term loan that can turn into a long term loan if you don't pay it off. But we forget that it's really not our money. We're using somebody else's money to buy something now and then we need to pay them back. And a lot of people look at that credit limit and say, oh, I, I have $5,000. Yeah. I have that money. And that's just not true. 
and, and you really, yeah, you really need to change your outlook if you're going to do that. And that's a lesson that a lot of people have to learn the hard way. I know I did. When I was 23, 24, I had about $10,000 in credit card debt. And it wasn't from doing anything crazy. It was taking my girlfriend to dinner or buying music or going to shows or whatever. And just the interest compounded so quickly that I was at 3000 then I was at 6000 before I knew it. And then all of a sudden, holy cow, I'm at $10,000. And I basically had to devote most of my life for the next couple of years to get rid of that debt. And, you know, I wish that I had been smarter about it. And that's part of why I'm so passionate about telling people, you know, telling people what to watch out for and some of the tricks and traps of, of the business. Sure. So, for me, when I was in college, I uh, didn't have much of an income. I mean, I worked small jobs here and there and summer jobs and spring break jobs, but you know, my spending, I could spend a little with a debit card, but, you know, I really used a credit card to uh, fund my college lifestyle, which wasn't too crazy. But still, I mean, you know, you, you do have to go out with your friends once in a while. And, you know, it just led to it led to debt after college. And certainly without a big income, I was certainly struggling. And that that kind of led to, you know, like Matt, that led to, you know, once I realized I was in a bad position, got myself out of it, that just, you know, led to my passion as well. Uh, so we have a question from somebody who's joining us here on the Blab and is from at one loud radio. Um, how you doing? Yeah. How you doing? So he asks, or she, I can't tell from the picture, whoever it is asks, says when applying for a credit card for the first time can you have a co-signer and this is a great question uh go ahead matt tell us a little bit about co-signers and your credit yeah you absolutely can have a co-signer i've had my parents co-sign things for me before um and it can help you get a better card but it's in it's very important to have all parties understand what the risk are what, what the risks are and that if um, if somebody doesn't pay the bills or somebody um, is really late with payments or that sort of thing, it can impact both people's credit. And it's it's something that that I think most people now advise against unless you you really, really trust, the person who you are co-signing for because um, there's a lot of risk involved. And I think it's worth noting too at this point that the Credit Card Act uh, requires if you're a student, if you can't prove your income and you're under the age of 21, it actually requires that you get a co-signer uh, in, in order to get your credit card. So if you are getting your first credit card and you do have uh, very limited credit and you are a student, then you might need to get a co-signer to even qualify for a credit card. Yeah, and that's a really good point because I, I know when I was in college, my uh, my dorm room mailbox was overloaded with credit card offers that I, I, mean, I could get easily. And that's just not the case anymore because of the Credit Card Act. And it has really... Um, 
it's it's a good thing, but it also does make it more complicated for some for a college kid who might need a credit card to be able to get it. Yeah, and plus you have to deal with the fact that a lot of young people have parents who themselves won't qualify for right. credit. So how do how do they get started in you know building their credit history, doing all these adult financial things like credit cards if if they don't have this you know the support from you know their parents who never had the support from their parents who never had the support from their parents um, you know how how can we break that cycle is there any way to do that with you know at a baser level than um, to prepare for you know an adult financial life. Well, there, I mean, there's a lot of information out there, and and it is it really is hard to to kind of take these first steps and be smart about these steps if you've never had a good role model. Like my mom and dad never particularly talked to me about credit cards and that sort of thing, and if they had, I don't know if I would have avoided the ten thousand dollars in credit card debt. I, I don't know. But um, but I wish that I could have, and um, and I know that I talk with my son a little bit about credit and interest and that sort of thing. But there there are lots of places, creditcards.com. We've got lots and lots of information out there um, about how to make smart decisions for credit. And um, I know that both of y'all create a lot of really great content to help people make smart decisions too. How about secured credit cards? Is that is that an option that we could even consider? Yeah, and what's interesting with, with secured credit cards is that we've seen lately that you're even finding rewards with secured credit cards. And, and to take a step back, what a secured credit card is, is you, you put in a deposit Say if it's a Capital One card, you pay them $250 or whatever you'd like it to be, and that sets your credit limit. Um, but it's not like a prepaid card or a debit card. That $250 is your credit limit, and otherwise it basically just works like a regular credit card where you build payment history and all that sort of thing. Um, and typically, that can be a pretty good way to... Um, to get your feet into credit as well, where you're kind of minimizing the risk for yourself by keeping the credit limit low, but you're also minimizing the risk for the bank with that deposit. Right. So when you're getting to this point where you're going to try and choose a credit card and you uh, want to figure out what rewards you want, I, I guess. Uh, how do you figure that out? How do you decide which card to apply for? I mean, do you start looking at it? Well, what can I qualify for to begin with and then go from there? I mean, and, and should you look at interest rate? What what matters most? Well, if you're specifically talking about rewards, I think it's really important to, to have an idea of what you want. Um, because if you're going to chase rewards, it's a different thing from just looking for a card that will help you build credit or a card with a low APR. Like for example, um, if you are somebody who would love to travel, um, then maybe you try and get a, uh, a points or miles card. Um, if you're somebody who just wants to get a little bit of extra cash back off of, um, 
off of your purchases, then cash back is probably the way to go. But even with cash back, then you have to ask yourself, well, are you the type of person who's willing to take a couple of extra steps and opt in for things like rotating rewards categories where for um, one quarter of the year you can get 5% off uh, 5% cash back for purchases at Amazon or gas stations or whatever? Or are you somebody who would rather kind of set it and forget it where you get one and a half percent, two percent cash back on whatever you purchase, wherever you purchase it? So lots of lots of things to ask yourself. It seems like the issuers put in some barriers here to getting some of these benefits that make it um, it sound a little nicer in the advertising than it does when you actually try to uh, try to take advantage of these benefits, right? Yeah, there are there are rules and regulations and caps and limits and all that sort of stuff. And it's as with anything with a credit card or really any financial product, it's really important to read the fine print to know um, if you have a cashback card, if there are limits to how much you can earn, or if there's a miles card, are there limits to, you know, are there blackout dates, that sort of thing. So the, the more you can know, the more you can inform yourself, the more you can read about that card, the better off you'll be and the better you'll be able to maximize the, uh, the value of that card. Yeah, and we should probably watch out because if you're doing your research online, you're going to find a lot of uh, sources that will tell you about all the benefits but might not give you all of the, uh, all of the drawbacks. Um, yeah. So true. one question um, when you when you find maybe a few options, should you apply to as many as possible to see which ones um, you'll get the approval for, or should you just pick one? It's probably best to pick your favorite one and go for that because um, because there's a little bit of credit risk if you're too scattershot or if you apply for too many cards at once. Even just applying for that one card will give you a, a, a small temporary ding to your credit, but it won't last long. It won't be that significant. But if you apply for too many cards at one time, it can throw up some red flags for lenders and make you look a little desperate and make them wonder, okay, what's that guy's financial situation? That's interesting. So going back a little bit to the fine print, uh, not so much just fine print, but what are the main pitfalls? I mean, we all think it's great. We got this credit card. It's going to give us rewards and it's going to be amazing. But what are the pitfalls that you have to watch out for? What are the biggest problems that people run into when they get their first credit card? Well, one of the, one of the biggest problems is just not paying your bills on time. And that is really the, really the biggest issue that, and, and not, uh, not paying more than the minimum on the card because paying late can wreck your credit. Only paying the minimum means that you're going to be racking up interest and all of a sudden that, uh, um, that $100 purchase you make you know, before too long costs you $250. So those are incredibly important. And one of the cool things that we've seen in the credit card industry lately is that 
issuers have had that in mind that they have wanted to make sure that people pay their bills on time. So things like text alerts and auto pay and all of that are becoming much more prominent and, um, and much more of a marketing tool for credit card issuers to get at folks who are just getting started with credit. Yeah, and speaking of that, uh, Lands at Money Manifesto, hi Lands, has hi. a question and he says, do you recommend setting up automatic payments? And you did sort of touch on that. Um, what are the benefits of automatic payments and uh, to doing this? What are some of those benefits? Yeah, I absolutely recommend using auto payments and I, I do it myself. And the, the biggest benefit is simply that you don't have to worry about it. Because um, we've all got to-do lists that are a mile long, we're working hard, we're taking the kids to soccer practice, that sort of thing. So if you know that you don't have to worry about making sure that that credit card payment gets paid, then all the better. You just need to make sure that, um, that you're paying more than the minimum when you, um, when you set up that auto payment because otherwise it, it can be really scary when you go in and, uh, and check your balance and go, oh my goodness, <laughs> look at all that interest. So it's important to pay as much as you can through auto pay. And to add to that, you don't want to um, just forget about everything and let everything go on autopilot um, right. because there could be a situation where the credit card issuer forgets to send you a statement and you don't want to have to rely on them so much. So you got to stay on top of this. And, you know, I even check my account online every few days just to make sure that there's nothing going on in there that, you know, that. I didn't create myself. I mean, if someone's using my card, I'm going to want to, I don't want to have to wait until the statement to figure out if somehow my um, account was, you know, compromised by someone using the account number somewhere. Yeah. So uh, stay on top of things. Yeah. And that's, that's really good advice too. And, um, and that goes along with not just making sure that your bills get paid, but looking for fraud, that sort of thing. And we always, we, we don't think anything of going to Facebook or Twitter or wherever 10 times a day, but it seems like way too much effort to go check your online bank statement a few times a week. But it's really not, it doesn't take very long and it can really help save yourself some headaches. Yeah. And along with that, going back to what you said about opening up and looking at it and seeing this huge surprise. I think a lot of people forget about tracking their spending and keeping track of things. And there are a lot of really, <laughs> sorry, Teen Scott says, just posted, she says, Facebook is a lot more fun though. And it probably is because it doesn't show you how much interest you're paying, but, uh, <laughs> but tracking your, tracking your spending as you go is, is really very important and I think a lot of people forget about that and I'm old school I like to manually enter it into my personal finance software but there's personal finance software out there that will let you be as lazy as you want to be and they'll track it for you yeah and if you're somebody like me who puts everything on a credit card to chase points and miles and that sort of thing you end up having it all all of your spending tracked anyway so and and nowadays issuers are getting more and more 
um, advanced in how they display your spending, um, where it's broken down by category on a monthly basis. They'll send you a yearly report, all that sort of stuff. So Matt, what do you have in your wallet? What do you, what do you use to spend? Well, it's, it's funny. I, I've had a Delta SkyMiles Amex card for like 15 years. And that was the card I used for a long time as my go-to card until I started in the past couple of years um, playing kind of the, the credit card churning game and, uh, and chasing sign-up bonuses. So the, the most recent one I've gotten is the Chase um, Southwest Airlines card. I had a Chase Sapphire Preferred card. Um, so, and using those two together, 50,000 points from the Chase Sapphire card, 50,000 points from the Southwest Airlines card, you transfer the Chase points to Southwest, all of a sudden you've got 100,000 Southwest points and, uh, and some free airfare. We need another, we're, we're going to need another uh, blab with you on travel hacking. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have another question at Teens Got Sense. She says, I'm 19 and I pay off my balance every month on my one credit card. Is it time to get another card or not? So should we have more than, I mean, I have, I have four credit cards, uh, but because <laughs> I love the credit cards, but uh, is, should she get another one? Is it time for her to get another credit card? Um, if she can handle it and she feels like the lure of the available credit won't be too much, if she feels like she can keep track of that extra payment that she'll have to make every month, then sure. Uh, because right now we're seeing unprecedented rewards, sign-up bonuses, um, both miles and points and cash. So it's a really good time to be shopping for credit cards. Um, but again, with the caveat, um, if, you, um, if you don't think that you can handle the card, you shouldn't get it. So what would be a good sign-up bonus right now? What's, uh, what, what's considered um, you know, one of the top bonuses? Well, we're seeing 50,000 um, 50, point sign-up bonuses um, in a lot of different places, probably the most significant being the Chase Sapphire Preferred card. And that one is cool because you can transfer those 50,000 points to, like I said, Southwest or United or a lot of other hotel or airline loyalty programs. And that makes the card really super flexible. But then on the cash back side, it's interesting that... Uh, the Discover It card is offering dub to double your cash back at the end of the first year. So that's not a uh, that's not a true sign up bonus because you have to wait a year to get it. But depending on how much you spend on that card, it can be really lucrative. Yeah, and, and does that uh, come with limits or anything? This Discover It cash back thing does it come with limits? Um, I'm trying to think. Discovery has a tiered thing. Once you hit a certain amount, they kind of pull back on your cash back. That at least they used to. I, off the top of my head, I'm not sure what the limits are on that cash back. Um, but 
but it's it, regardless, it's still an interesting thing that they're willing to to double that cash back. And even I had mentioned the Discover Secured Card earlier. Even on a secured card, they're willing to double the amount of cash back, which is something that we really haven't seen in the past. And while you're probably not going to get a ton of cash back with a secure card because the credit limit's so low, it's still a nice perk. Yeah. And so, so there you go. Um, there you go. Uh, at Teens Got Sense, uh, the answer is yes. Go get another credit card. And if you want those Disney points, get those Disney points. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, we're coming up on our end time here, I think, but yeah, a couple minutes, a couple more. Okay. All really? right. Well, <laughs> at money manifesto says he's got 21 cars between him and his wife. So, Hey, <laughs> we might have him on to talk about travel hacking, but well, and it's, and it's interesting because when you get that many cards, it's a challenge to keep track of and, you know, you really need to have something like an Excel spreadsheet to say, okay, here's what I have, here's when this is due, here's how much I owe on it, because otherwise it's really easy to get turned around and miss a payment. And if you miss a payment, it hurts your credit, you can no longer get the best cards. So it's it's important. Yeah, so hacking and, and getting lots of cards to play off the balance, the, 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 um, play off the bonuses and the uh, rewards, something that should encourage people to, you know, start getting into credit cards, or is it kind of like a, you know, you really have to be in a great place financially in order to handle that? Yeah, you really have to be in a pretty good spot financially and with your credit in order to make it work. And, and rewards cards, period, are not for people who carry a balance because if you are paying 20% on a card to get 5% cash back, you really don't need mm -hmm. to be an accountant to know that the math doesn't add up in your favor there. So what you really need to do is focus on paying that balance off every month. And once you're confident that you can do that, then you can start thinking about rewards. Yeah, so one of the things that I do, I, I know that uh, at Money Manifesto uh, says that, uh, I, I know that at Man Money Manifesto says that he's got 21 cards and, and everything, but one of the things I do is I just like to consolidate. And so I have the one card that I use for all of my everyday spending, and that is my travel points card. That's how I get my free airfare. I have one other card that I use for all of my online spending, and that's connected to my you promise account for my son's college and that just puts a little extra in just 529. I do, you know, make real contributions just 529, but it's connected there. And then I have my business card where I get the cash back that I redeem for, for gift cards. And so uh, I just sort of keep it small so it doesn't get all spread around, but uh, I don't know. looks interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a challenge trying to figure out, and, and I've gotten my wife into um, kind of chasing rewards too, and she was a little reticent about it, um, but it's really all about keeping organized and about making sure that you pay those balances off because w once I paid off that $10,000 credit card debt that I had, I was able to realize that I could make credit cards work for me and use them to get trips 
um, and gone to Europe a couple times off of miles and that sort of thing. And it's, it's really just about being diligent and taking care of business. All right. Um, we should probably wrap up. Anybody uh, feel free to ask some more questions here and we'll, uh, we'll see what Matt has to say. Um, otherwise, you got anything else, Miranda? Nope. Just thank you so much for joining us, Matt. And uh, thanks for being awesome and, and coming from creditcards.com to tell us a little bit about the ins and outs of getting your first credit card. Yeah, and for being our first guest. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. This was this was fun. Thanks for having me. All right. So um, we'll be back with more Blabs uh, about once a week. And uh, certainly check out our site at adulting.tv. Subscribe to the podcast. We'll be adding this to our site shortly. So if you miss it, you can uh, replay it there. And uh, that's, that's all we got for today. So thank you for joining us. Go be a grown-up now. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv.